So, so, so t- today, for the next few minutes, I'm going I'm to take, take a sermon this long. I'm going to make it this long. Was that my wife? I just said, mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I've been in this thing called the rest of the story. And, it, you know, it was sparked or really taken to another level by my son Anthony when he, when he preached his sermon during Ambassador's College and he made fun of all us old people that know who Paul Harvey is when he would say, and now for the rest of the story. Remember that? He said, I'm not old enough to even know who this guy is. Some of y'all may be that old or something like that, you said. Oh, he said he wasn't 100 years old. That's what he said. But the rest of the story, it's, it's, it was unique if you're old enough to remember that. He would always come on about a three-minute segment during the commercial break on, on various radio stations when I was growing up as, as a boy all the way up into our early years of marriage. And, and he would tell a cool story of some historical actual person that a lot of it you would know that part of the story and you would maybe identify some, some of the time. And then, then he would break and they would go to one commercial and in between that one commercial he would say, and I'll be right back for the rest of the story. And it'd make you hold. And it, they, it was genius because they, whoever had that spot after him on the radio, they probably had to pay a lot more for that. Because you had to listen to that radio ad to hear the rest of the story. He'd come back 30 seconds later and he'd say, now for the rest of the story. And he would tell you something that you'd go, wow. It was unique. And you'd never forget it. And it got me thinking, there's so many things in the Bible, stories in the Bible of people that we know their story, their famous part of their story. You know, you think of David, you think of Goliath. You think of Samson, you think of Delilah. You think of Adam, you think of Eve in, in, the, in the Garden of Eden. You know, you think of John the Baptist, you think of him baptizing Jesus. Uh, you know, there's just highlights of the stories in the Bible. But there's things that even is in the Bible and even historical, and even things when you just sort of read it, you see it. It might not be in, in, in typed out form, but you just know that happened because it's human nature, and that's the rest of the story. And, and if I would have had time to preach it, and apparently God don't want me to preach fully this because I tried to preach this last week, and so, so I'm just going to say to God, okay, God, if I get a chance to preach this whole thing another day, I will, but I'm open to something else too. But I will preach a sermonette on it, and that is this. I was going to preach on the rest of the story of Paul, the Apostle Paul. How many ever heard of the Apostle Paul? See, see, but, but the thing about the Apostle Paul is, first of all, he's not really Paul. His name was Saul. Huh? Do you, do you know that in Scripture we don't really have any reason why his name got changed? And some historical documents, and even some theologians believe that only a few people called him Paul. It had something to do with the Romans and, and so forth. But he, but he spent most of his life still being known by many people and even referring to himself as Saul. But most of the time that you read a name change in the Bible, it's usually tied to a significant change spiritually in their life. You remember Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob's name means deceiver and heel catcher because he literally was a twin. And when his brother Esau was born first and came out of the womb first, 
which gave him the birthright. The Bible says something crazy, man. It says that Jacob stuck his hand out of the womb and grabbed the leg of Esau and tried to pull him back in. So therefore, Jacob means heel catcher, means deceiver. If you know his story, he deceived and got the birthright by deception. He lived a life as a deceiver, but when he wrestled with God. Let me tell you something, I don't care what you've done, but there's going to come a time you're going to wrestle with God. Are you hearing me? There's going to come a time that God's going to cause you and force you to make a decision. And he made a decision to, to, to be blessed. And he's, that God said, let me go. He said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And he said, well, I'm going to do more than that. I'm going to change you. And, and, he, and he, he made a covenant with him. And he said, from this day forward, you shall no longer be known as Jacob. From this day forward, you shall be known as Israel. And to this day, there's a nation that all eyes have always been on and still are on now more than ever, named after a deceiver, a former deceiver, a former liar. Israel, the nation of Israel, formed in 1948 with the United Nations, is the rest of the story of a boy that tried to, an infant that tried to pull his brother back in the womb. Are y'all hearing me? The rest of the story is on the news every night of the battle between Jacob and Esau. The, 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 uh, the rivalry between the brothers, the Arab and the Jew. It's the rest of the story. But the rest of the story of Saul of Tarsus, who persecuted Christians, who hated Jesus, who was at the very least an accessory to murder, probably an actual murder or murderer on multiple times, arrested entire families, beat people to the point of death or even to death. The rest of his story is called Paul. We hear Paul, sometimes we forget all about Saul. We forget about a man who was the most hated and feared man in the early church. When you heard the name Saul of Tarsus, Christians ran for their lives. But the rest of his story is that he wrote the majority of the New Testament. We understand the doctrine of grace because of Paul. We understand how to get saved in the Romans roadmap to salvation. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved from Paul. We know that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God because of Paul. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul. But he was, he cursed Jesus, the name Jesus, and killed in the name of God. Don't ever write someone off when the story is still being written. That's tweetable. Don't write somebody off while their story is still being written. See, by the way, you didn't got no right to write anything about them anyway. You don't get to write nothing about my story. My story is my story. My creator is the one that's writing my story. You ain't writing my story. Oh, let me help you. I ain't writing yours. Is this good preaching? But wait a minute. The rest of the story of Saul of Tarsus, persecutor of Christians. Of course, we know, we know, I don't have time to read it, but, but it, 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 it's in Acts chapter 9, it, 
It says he's on his way to Tarsus. This is why he's called uh, on his way to Damascus, excuse me. But, uh, it, when, when he had something called what I would call a true come to Jesus moment. He's got papers in his hand that have empowered him to arrest Christians on another level of anything he's ever done. He was about to probably do more for, for, for the devil than he had ever done in all the torment against Christians. He was, the Bible said he was enraged with hatred towards Christians. He's on his way on a donkey, him and his team on the way to a place called Damascus to arrest the Christians that are there. And on the road to Damascus, a bright light shines. Jesus shows up and knocks him off his donkey. Thank God I'm not preaching from the King James. Knocks him off his donkey. And now watch this. Listen to what Jesus says. Saul. Notice he calls him Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Let me just tell you what you need to understand in those statements. When you mess with me, you mess with him. Huh? He didn't, he didn't ever arrest Jesus. He didn't beat Jesus. He, he, didn't, he didn't hold the coats of somebody while they're stoning Jesus. But when, they, but when you touch Jesus' kids, you are messing with Jesus. He said, let me tell you something. I need to stop you because what you think you're doing to my people, you are doing to me. Don't you remember what Jesus said that? I was hungry, you fed me. I was naked, you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me. When, Lord, when have we ever done it? If you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. God, I'm going to tell you something right now. You, that's, that's, that's the power of understanding the rest of your story. When you understand when your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you become a child of God. You become a son of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, He's given them power to become the sons of God. Let me tell you something. You can mess with me, but don't you mess with my kids. Are you hearing me? You start messing with my kids, I will tell you something right now me and the Lord's gonna lay hands on you it's a different type of something kicks in when you mess with somebody's kids when you are a son or a daughter of God your story gets rewrote he goes on to say I am Jesus whom you are persecuting listen to this this is this is a word for somebody it is hard for you to kick against the goad What's the goads? The goads is the pointed end of a stick that you would, you would point and stick an animal to just sort of uh, not hurt them bad, but hurt them just enough, shock them just enough, almost like a, uh, an ancient shock collar to put them back in line. Keep trying to get out of line, psh, get hit back in line. He says, it's hard for you. You think you, you carry yourself in such a way that you got this thing. You are confident. You've made everybody believe that you are confident in who you are. But I know the real you. I know you, how you are tormented at night. I know how when everybody else stops looking, you start questioning what you believe. You start questioning if what they're saying, the very ones you're persecuting, is actually the truth. But you don't want anybody to know that you're thinking that because that'll go against everything you ever said or ever declared. But you and I both know you are doubting it. 
Because you've seen too much evidence that God is real. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Look how things quickly change when you stand in the presence of Jesus. He goes from ready to arrest Christians in the name of, that, that fall under the name of Jesus to saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm, that's grace. Grace can take an alcoholic, heathen, pill-popping, adulterer, liar, you fill in the blank, and bring them to one altar. And by the time they get up from the altar, they can be saved, delivered, healed, filled with the Holy Ghost, and called to preach the gospel. Can I tell you something right now? God can use you no matter what. Your story is still being written. I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. Now watch this, watch this. You got to get this, you got to get this. You got 13 minutes. Did I do the math right? Okay, here we go. It's hard to kick his... So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Watch this. Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground with his eyes were open, but he saw no one. He was blinded. Blinded by the light. Sorry. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. See, he goes on. He sees this man called Ananias. Ananias has, has told by the Holy Spirit that he's coming. Can you imagine? Ananias is one of the Christians he was about to arrest in Damascus. He was about to arrest Ananias. Ananias was a very well-known leader in the early church. And Ananias, quite frankly, not only feared Saul, but they, in their own way, they hated him because they, because they knew what he had done to their loved ones. And how about, how about this? God shows up in Ananias' house and says, listen, I'm bringing Saul of Tarsus to your house. I need you to lay hands on him. He's like, you read your Bible. And Ananias will say, he literally, this is literally the modern translation of what you will actually read in your Bible. He's like, say, say what? I mean, if you read it, that, that's, that's literally the way it comes over to me. He's just like, you mean Saul, Saul? The Saul, Saul, that we all know Saul. Yeah, that one. Me and him had a talk on the way. He's good. And a nice like, but, but, but God, do you not remember all that he has done to us and to you? How many of those other church folk will try to talk God out of blessing you? Because they think they done seen that you done done too much stuff to be blessed. <laughs> Woo, I'm stepping on some toes right now. He said, he's going to come in your house. I want you to lay hands on him. He's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He came in, laid hands on him. The, the Bible says scales from, fell from his eyes. He could see he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He began speaking other tongues. Now. Very quickly, watch this. So we know the rest of the story of Saul is Paul. There is no Paul, though, without Saul. And there is no conviction in the heart of Saul and preparing his heart for the moment on the road to Damascus without Stephen. 
Stephen, the first Christian martyr, who in the book of Acts, stood before the priest and began to literally shred them in Jesus' name. I mean, he went back to the garden. He took them through Moses and Noah. He took them through it all. I mean, he went all the way back. He went line upon line upon line upon everything they teach. And then he ended it by saying, all of that was completed in the one you crucified. Every bit of it was pointing to him. Stop saying that. The Bible said they started biting themselves. Scratching themselves and biting and gnawing at their flesh because they could not handle what Stephen was saying. The Bible said he, Stephen was just cool as a cucumber. He just literally never stopped. And they said, take him outside and kill him. They took him outside. He's still just preaching the gospel. Never slowing down. They're getting ready to stone him. For blasphemy. The Bible says they want to make sure, this is graphic, now listen to me. They want to make sure that they had the full force of their shoulders and their arms to hit him with the rocks at full force. So they walk over to this young religious leader and they all take their jackets and their robes off and they get all the way down. They might have even gone down to bare skin. They didn't want nothing restricting them from doing the punishment they were about to do in the name of God. And the Bible said they took all those coats and they handed them to watch over to a man. The Bible, it's almost like a little sentence that you'll just read right over you don't get it. And it said, and there was a man named Saul of Tarsus standing and holding the robes. So just... Before the road to Damascus, he was there to witness. He wasn't just there as an innocent young boy. He was a grown man. He was already persecuting Christians as well. He was there to make sure the job got done. I wouldn't even be surprised, this gospel according to Larry, if he is the one that spoke up and said, Hey, guys, hold up, hold up, hold up. I want to make sure you hit him really good. Give me the jackets. I'll hold your jackets. As he's holding the jackets and he's watching Stephen pummeled, bleeding, bones crushing, eyes being knocked back in their sockets. The Bible says, go back and read your Bible. The Bible says, he looked like an angel. There was no rage. He began, he fell to his knees. He looked up and the Bible said as he looked up to heaven. God allowed the spirit realm to open up. And he was able to look through all three heavens. The atmospheric heaven. The cosmic heaven. And his natural eyes by the grace of God was given to see the place called heaven. And the Bible said he, God the son Jesus Christ was so moved by one man that he stood up. And the Bible said Stephen saw the Lord standing in front of his throne. Smiling. But see, God's big picture. He's the Alpha and the Omega. God wasn't standing up because he was proud to see his child beaten and suffered that way. God doesn't want that. But he knew what was happening because while everybody else's eyes were on Stephen, God's eyes are on everyone. And his eyes were also on Saul. And while everybody else saw Stephen going down, God 
saw Saul being convicted because he was waiting on Stephen to curse God or curse someone. And the last words he said was the last words that Jesus said in a different, slightly different way. He said, Lord, forgive them. They're innocent. And the Bible said he literally laid down, grabbed one of the very rocks that just hit him, put it up under his head like a pillow. This is in your Bible. And just went to sleep. Moments later, so a few days, a few weeks later, not long after that, was the road to Damascus. I'm telling you, I know what was happening. He was trying to act big and bad, but he was tormented. He couldn't get Stephen off his mind. How? How could somebody love something like that? How could somebody be? Oh, God, is everything that I said wrong? Is what the religious people told me wrong? That's when Jesus said, hey, 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 hey. You're persecuting me. Stop it. You and I both know this is hard. It was, it was like, you know the story in the Bible when, you, maybe you might not know the story, but David, a man after God's own heart, arose from a shepherd, went through Goliath, went through all this stuff, and eventually becomes king. And when he's king, he, he, he surrounds himself with a bunch of yes men, and people don't ever uh, correct him, and, and he's just, he's just, he gets full of himself. And one day, he goes up on the rooftop, and he sees this woman who's not his wife. Her name is Bathsheba. Y'all know the story. Sees her bathing. He has an affair with another man's wife and impregnates her and has her husband killed. Full of himself, forgetting who he was in God, but tormented inside. And God sends the prophet. Hey, the prophet comes up and says, I need to tell you a story. Go ahead, tell me a story. I know there was this man who had every lamb, every sheep that he could ever want in the whole land except one lamb. And there was this other guy, he only had one lamb. He didn't have, that's all he had was one lamb. But the, but the king and this man, he had every other lamb there was, but he was not satisfied not having uh, every except one. He had to have the one too. So he went in there and he stole the one. He took the one from the one that only had one so that he could with pride say that he he had the rights to everyone's lamb david stands up and slams his scepter into the floor and says who is this man whoever this man is he deserves to be stoned and killed who is this man and the prophet steps one step back and says behold you are the man it was at that moment the Bible says David stood up, ripped his royal robe, fell to his knee, poured ashes on his head in mourning, and wrote one of the most powerful, declared and later wrote one of the most powerful moments in Scripture that's in Psalms where he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He was glad to be caught. How many know sometimes you're just glad that it's over? That you're tired of running. And listen, it feels, it's hard to face the consequences, but at least now it's out. Come on, you hear me? At least now you're caught. I could see Saul just falling off that horse and just, that donkey and just saying, you know what? You're right. I can't go on like this. What do you want me to do? That's not the rest of the story. He stands up, man Ananias, laying hands on him. Listen to what the Bible says. Most people in the church, and dare say most pastors do not preach this, 
no one talks about this part of his story. He stands up, told by God, you're called, you're great, you're powerful. Listen to the last words that he says, one of the last words written by, by Paul, and, and he's writing to his son, spiritual son Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, for I've already been poured out as a drink offering, and at the time, the time of my departure is at hand. He's almost dead. He knows he's about to die. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not to me only, but to also who loved his appearing. That was the end. But before his ministry began, watch, watch what happens. Watch this, what happens. He stands up from Ananias. He's getting ready to go do what God's called him to do, and God says, no, 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 no. This is what happens when you wait. Listen, when you're that called and you're, and you're the apostle Paul and that is burning within you, you're ready to go now. But God says sometimes you've got to wait. The rest of the story can't be written unless you, do, unless you let me do what I need to do in you right now to get you ready so there is a rest of the story. See, if he'd have flown right back into Jerusalem, somebody would have killed him the day he came back. The very people he used to work for found out that he had turned on him. They had said he's lost his mind, kill him. They would have stoned him the first week. He had never made it. He had never had a ministry. But watch what happens. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1 says this. This is the writing of Paul to the church of Galatia. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Listen to verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia, a desert, and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the brother of Jesus. Now concerning these things, which I write to you indeed before God, I do not lie. Get up. You're healed. You're, the scales fall from your eyes. You can see again. You just talked with Jesus himself three days earlier. You're filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in a language that you have never spoken before. The nine gifts of the Spirit are ignited within you. You don't know it yet, but your spirit man knows it, that you are the Apostle Paul that's going to change the world. The fire to get ready to go straight in the ministry is in you. God says, nope, before you do anything, I need you to go to a desert. I need you to isolate yourself so that I can talk to you. And Paul is alluding to, and I feel like stating that Jesus came down personally 
for three years spent time with Paul. Teaching him because he knew what Paul was going to mean to all of us. But another part that people miss, we don't know how long he was actually in the desert, but part of that three years was, he says, before you go back to Jerusalem, you're going to have to finish the road to Damascus. He had to go back to the place where it all started. And he, he probably spent time with Ananias. Some of the very Christians in Damascus that he had papers in his hands to arrest. He was teaching them of the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the rest of the story of Paul is Saul. The rest of the story of Saul is Stephen. But the rest of Stephen's story is Paul. When Stephen laid his head down, I know I can't prove this, but just knowing how God works, I just got to know that when he laid his head down right before he went to sleep, I just believe that he made eye contact with that Saul of Tarsus and looked at him with peaceful look and just said, forgive them, Lord. They don't even know how they're playing into your hands. They're all a part of your plan. <laughs> Y'all didn't see me over I went. It's almost like I can see in my mind. Saul's like, why do you look at me like that? God knew that the death of Stephen would ignite the church. The death of the rest of the story of Stephen is not just Paul. The rest of the story of Stephen is the church. Because the Bible said at the death of Stephen, the church was scattered. And because the church was scattered, it caused them to get out of Jerusalem. And it caused them to fulfill what actually Jesus said. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. When Stephen died, it caused the church to scatter. And guess what? The rest of the story of Stephen is us. Somebody give the Lord the praise right now. Thank God for their faithfulness. Stand to your feet. I hope you come back tonight for graduation at 6 p.m. But more than anything, I hope you go home today knowing, my God, what a service. Many of you rededicated your lives to God. Many of you got, got right with God, got saved today. Whatever it is, you give God the praise today. And you make a decision. Your past, your present, and even the fear of the future and the things that people have declared over you does not write your story. The pen is in the hand of the one that created you. He's still writing. Amen. Come on. And don't judge somebody's current status, current chapter by a former chapter. Amen. How many of those, if you read a book and you only make it to the second chapter and there's 10 chapters, you don't, you don't need to judge the book because you ain't read the whole book. There's still eight chapters left. Throw your hands up all over this house and say it with me. God, I declare my story is not over. Thank you, Jesus. There's still hope. And my story is going to be a great one.
because you're riding it. God bless you. I'll see you tonight. Have a good day.